Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday, Silver 7's is the site. Cofield and Company, Adam Hill is here. What's up, Adam? Not much. How you doing? I'm good. There's a lot going on today. We got... uh, much of the show to recap what happened last night with the Golden Knights, which is a really big story, but I think their TV deal that's upcoming, as we'll get into that in the 4 o'clock hour and beyond, is also pretty massive. We're here at Silver 7, so remember, every VGK game the rest of the way in the playoffs, I've got the 77-cent beer special. We're hanging out at the uh, Bud Light Sports Bar, Bud Light, Bud, and Michelob Ultra in those spots during the game, 77-cent bottles of beer. All right, busy day, busy day. I want to start out, though. We have uh, so many good, good prizes. This weekend's crazy. Cinco de Mayo weekend is nuts. There's so many big events here, and we'll get into the sporting events that are going on in a little bit. But we've got tickets to uh, Reggae in the Desert. It's coming up on Saturday. Let's get some tickets out there. Four-pack of tickets. Ari's got them, 364-1100. Caller 7364-1100. Of course, the music is the central uh, figure in this whole thing. Caribbean food, drinks in the uh, Vendor Village. It's at the Clark County Government Amphitheater. You can buy your tickets at reggaeinthedesert.com, reggaeinthedesert.com. But Ari's got a four-pack right now. We'll have another four-pack later in the show, so stick around. 364-1100, caller number seven. Bad day for the Bucks. Well, at least our head coach, Mike Budenholzer. Good day for the Bucks. Yeah, you don't like him? I just thought there was a lot that he left on the table. I, I thought that they underachieved quite a bit uh, in several instances the last couple seasons, and uh, certainly this year. I mean, that was inexcusable. Uh, how they handled that series and how they went through that series. So, were you on the uh, the day or the day after uh, Giannis explained failure in sports? I was not, and tried to back people down on that whole thing. I was not. I actually liked what Giannis said. I did for the most part. I didn't like, you know, comparing a newspaper job to what an athlete does and and what the final goal is. A little bit different. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I get that, but I know what he was trying to say also, yeah. and uh, it was also not the most. You know, you're not going to have the most well thought out. Um, soliloquies right after you know a bad loss. He was just kind of putting his feelings into uh, uh, you know into words and, and trying to do the best he could. So, by the way, the victor in that whole thing was the high achiever, the reporter. Because while a lot of people are like, "That's a stupid question," was it? Yeah. Because he gave a three minute answer that, went, that, that everyone went that everyone played and everyone listened to. Yes, he will be getting a promotion of sorts. At least he gets to keep his. J- Right, for this year. That was a great question. That's every year you got to, you have to If you get no job. answer, then, well, the question doesn't work. But if you get an answer like that, you did your job. Sure. Yeah, really good if there's job. any question. So, uh, yeah, I just thought, I just thought that uh, the Bucks clearly are a team with uh, that believes they have a window, and they are not taking full advantage of that. So I'm not surprised that this happened. Uh, setting up tonight in the NBA, last night, first, you kind of saw that coming. Whether Embiid played or not, and he played, what do you want to play in 27 minutes? Yeah, and he had fifteen points, three rebounds. He was pretty good on offense, but um, it just wasn't super effective and, and limited in terms of minutes. And I really believe in the zigzag in the NBA, which is why I I think the Lakers will get just run off the floor tonight. It's I think there's a, I think there's a mentality, especially when you win the first game uh, in that road spot. I think you let down a little bit, and the other team is like, we we got to get game two. We can't go back to LA down two nothing. So I see this one as just a freaking drubbing. Uh, I hope so. 
You're a sort of Dubs fan. Not sort of. It's, we can keep going with this, but it's, it's pretty silly. You know that I embraced them when they were at their lowest. Yes, when they were rock bottom. Of course, knowing the that they were going to get Clay, Clay, Steph, and Dr. Dre back, you they're, jumped on the bandwagon then, they were the and, worst now you, team and now the you call it rock bottom. Yeah, they were the worst team in the league. How much lower can you go? The worst record of the league, 2019. You're just ahead of the uh, Spurs fans who uh, knew they were getting Tim Duncan added to David Robinson. They're like, I'm hardcore now. That's different. They didn't suffer through a whole season like that. Yes, a whole season. It was rough. And now we're you know, reaping the benefits, which I like. Yeah. So you think it's a tight game? I mean, I'm pessimistic as a you know lifelong diehard stop. fan. Please stop. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, I think your points are rational, and I, I think that when you talk about teams that win the game one on the road, so much focus. You hear players all the time. You have to split those first two games on the road. You have to split them, and once you get that win, mission accomplished. And so yeah, I mean, I think they're going to obviously try to win the game, but you know, you saw last night. I think with uh, Boston and Philadelphia, I think you see the same thing here. It'll be tough for the Lakers to to do that again. Give me a dog tonight. I have to bet. I have to bet. We have the William Hill Racing Sportsbook right across the way. I have to bet. Uh, hockey tonight, and the first game's coming up here in less than an hour. New Jersey. Florida, Toronto, Seattle, Dallas. <laughs> Can't bet Jersey yet. Tomorrow. Yeah. Florida, Toronto, Seattle, Dallas. Both of the road teams got the first yeah. of the series, and now they're massive dogs. Both are... Uh, the favorites in these Toronto and Dallas are minus two hundred five, and I really, I, I think I shouldn't bet this way, but based on Canadian hockey history and especially Toronto hockey history, I really think Toronto could lose this and be down two nothing. And they're two hundred five. You're, rooting, you're rooting against my future bet. I see, but that's fine. What's uh, your future bet? The, uh, Toronto. Cana- oh, of Toronto, Toronto not, and not, Edmonton. Oh, you do yeah. in the matchup? Yeah. You bet a matchup? Yeah. Why? That was my pick in the paper, so I had to back it up. Really? Yeah. What, what'd you get it at? Uh, I have to go back and look. I don't know what. what Must have been pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah, and I have I have I both teams to win the title. I've too. never known you to bet a future like that. Well, it's only for the playoffs, not for. A, I don't do full season futures, right? But for the playoffs, I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, and I have both teams win the title too. So hopefully that happens. Uh, I would say if you can, can you lay a goal and a half and get plus for Dallas? If that's an underdog, that might be. I'll look in a little bit. See what yeah. the number is. Yeah, uh, that might be worth it. I think Dallas rolls in this game. How did you feel watching the game last night? As Dreisaitl Wild. was just it was just insane. How many times have we seen a goal where a guy's slightly on an angle and he's like, you know, I'm going to shoot it off the goalie's neck and back. Let me let me knock it off his shoulder. Well, and, and as Bruce Cassidy talked about, like those are practice now, and and it's those, and then the the you know quote unquote Michigan goal where you're behind the net and you pick it up with your stick and try to drop it over like those are practiced all the time so he he said you know five years ago you'd have been like what is that now you know you see it every day in practice guys do it every day so and you, you can kind of see i i thought brassois like after a split second recognized that oh, yeah, it could happen did. he was like oh you know because yeah, you, you tried to lean back but like you're, you're on you're, skates you're screwed. <laughs> yeah you're on skates it's tough to do uh so yeah that's i, I saw somebody describe it on twitter and i wish i it was just some random person i, I wish i would have saved it but they said if this game walks into the club it's taking six girls home I was like, yeah, that's that's true. That's a good that way game, to that it. game was amazing. I like that. It was can, every, that game had can every, we steal that? Every bit of charisma. It was great. It was awesome. We're gonna use that spot down the road. Yeah, it was a, it was a very fun game last night. What were the nights like post game in terms of uh, asking? Because I saw Stevenson and he's kind of laid back. Uh, he was on with SVP and kind of I'm not gonna say poo pooed, but just acted like everything they did was kind of normal. But the fact that they responded every time they needed to, yeah, I thought that was big. And, of and, course. Look, we talked about. You can't let them go on the power play, and they did, and they scored twice. Uh, 
but the key for the Golden Knights is they scored within a minute each time. So each time they allowed a power play goal, they came back, scored, uh, and came back at them, which I think was massive to get the momentum back to, you know, even though momentum's not real. Uh, they, they got that back. They settled things down. And, and I think that was a key part of the game. And, you know, I, I think to, to your point of how they were after the game, uh, I talked to Chandler after, you know, he had done all this media, all this scrum had died down, and I had to ask him, like, two questions. And, you know, they said, hey, he's done. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. Like, it, they, were just, they were just so relaxed. They were, you know, they were willing to talk and willing to have conversation. And um, I think that was a good sign that they were, you know, feeling pretty good about what happened in the game. And, and, and the Did fact you that you turn have, to PR and say, it's me. No. What do you mean? No, they're they're, just, they're, I know what they're doing. They're helping him out. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to shut you down. You're out of hell. Well, I think that was Chandler's point. He's like, no, we're good. Oh, we're good. nice. Yeah. That feels good for you. Uh, sure. And you could and take yeah. six girls home after that. Exactly. That's a good moment for you. Only four last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, but no, Chandler, <laughs> Chandler was uh, Chandler was was very cool about it, and and I think the whole the whole kind of team was. It was it was. It, I think they 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 took a punch. They responded. They got the win, and I think they're feeling good. And it doesn't help, but doesn't hurt. That they have two days off, uh, and they had today off from practice, so you know they were they were willing to kind of be chill about it. But I think you could just tell that the the vibe was, hey, that was a very very good win. We res- we saw everything that they had. We took their best shot. We answered it, and we're feeling good about ourselves going forward. So as I mentioned yesterday at the beginning of the show, I have this uneasiness with the Oakland Vegas battle, the A stuff. I'm not so sure the A's are the right team. We're going to get into what this facility. And building up this property at Dean Martin and Trop and the 15 could do. But my point yesterday was we're starting to get bashed a little bit. And I really don't want to get into a fight with Oakland because I don't even know if I want the A's here. But I, my nature I is I love Las Vegas, so up yours. So I want to like I want to fight. So we wanted to bring someone in who's been here forever and knows about facilities and events. And, you know, this is interesting about sports radio. When you cover a story, you know what you do? You actually go to experts and get their expertise on something. But now we've got people outside the market spewing crap about Vegas, but they don't call anyone in Vegas. You want to talk to us a little bit? You want to talk to anyone on the ground and actually you know, find out real information? We're going to do that. By the way, Michael Naff, Clark County Commissioner, is coming on in the middle of next week. But we've got Darren Libinati in just a couple minutes here as we're live at Silver 7s on this Thursday. Live entertainment returns to Silver 7s every Friday and Saturday from 8.30 to midnight at the Bud Light Sports Bar inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. So we'll have more of that. That's uh, one of the New York Sports Talk Radio guys who does uh, national stuff, Amanda Lara. And, you know, as I mentioned before the break, uh, I I often call Vegas kind of sports Siberia. Like, no one knows anything outside of the market about this place. And now we're... We're more in the, the loop with Major League Sports than we've ever been, and people still continue to fall short on knowledge of what the area is. Darren Libinati has been here since, what, the late 80s, right? That's right. Late 80s, uh, ran the Thomas & Mack, was over at MGM, and uh, now has his own company. We'll get into what he's doing, but he's an expert, and he's seen the progress of running events and how unique Las Vegas is. And we'll just start out with, when you hear a guy say, hey, it's the 40th market, what's he missing there? He's missing so much because of of what we represent as a complete city. Obviously, we know we're a destination market. We know we're now 2 million plus people in in the marketplace. He's completely missing the sexiness of what made the city the city. It's why the Raiders went from X, number 30th team, to I think in the top three because who doesn't want to come to Las Vegas to see their team play the opponent? 
the 40 million visitors count in our market size. <laughs> right? Ab absolutely. We're not really a city of two point whatever, two or three million when 40 million people come here. And the more stuff we add, specifically that helps, you know, uh, in terms of sports, helps bring more people here. And they have money. We charge them money. We make sure they have money because you can't come here and, uh, and get accommodations and, and food for, you know, bargain rates if you're coming in to town to uh, watch sports. All right. So, uh, first of all, let's... Let me say something on yeah, that yeah, real yeah. quick. Yep. Selfishly, over the last 35 years, we've learned that starting in 1983 when we were a 200,000-person city when we created the NFR. Think about it. Everyone came from out of state. It's the deadest time of the year. And you got 17,000 people packing themselves in uh, for 10 straight days. So over time, 35 years, every little event that we could talk about that it would take too long, we could talk about the difference maker that it is to bring us the A's today. So let's set the table. And it, for folks who don't know Darren, and I just explained you know, his, his background to a certain extent, I want you to talk about the progress of the city, the events you've been involved in, and I know you and I were talking off the air, like the roots of making this a big sports city started back in the 70s and then really exploded in the 80s and 90s. That's right. And most people don't realize, you know, tip our hat to Caesars Palace for all the things they did for boxing. They did a big, uh, obviously, they did WWF in, in the 80s. They did their hockey event outside. They were setting the tone early that we're something special in Las Vegas. There was a Grand Prix at one point. Fast forward, it's now 1988, and I'm in the industry now. I'm done playing football at UNLV. I'm watching, and we're starting to create opportunity. The first biggest opportunity for us was the Grateful Dead, going out to the stadium, bringing this unbelievable event, same concept, same argument. Why would they go there? Well, guess what? Three nights later, three sellouts later, it worked. Fast forward, it's 1993. Uh, I leave Thomas and Mack Center to go to the MGM, and I'm having a straightforward conversation with Kurt Kikorian and my boss, Dennis Finfrock, and it's a very simple conversation. He looked right at us and said, we're building an arena. I want it for boxing, and anything after that is special events and concerts. Lo and behold, I want the world to forget Caesars Palace ever had boxing. Can you guys do that? I went there for boxing. I went there for music. People don't even know the center section of MGM. Next time you guys go, look at it. It's only 10 seats. Why? It was made for boxing and for Kirk Kikorian. Look at the arena. <laughs> look at the seats. That's a secret that no one even knows about. It was designed that way. But now fast forward all the way up to we can go as far as something as simple as this. The NBA Summer League was once called the Stars of Tomorrow. We did three straight years of that. Then it got bought after the NBA Summer League, after the NBA All-Star Game, and became the NBA Summer League. Again, we started with only 8,000 people. Now it's 100 and some thousand people. The Supercross, the Monster Trucks, the Rugby Sevens, all the 700,000 people that were not Rebel fans, fans that came to our city to go see these gigantic opportunities and events. We then started the festival business with a, a little simple festival called Vegoose. EDC then comes to town. I personally leave and go open up with MGM and create a whole festival concept. We're going to build these big pieces of land. We're going to create these opportunities. We did what we did until Route 91 happened, and fortunately it shut us down a little bit. Um, but when you look at everything has a place and a reason why we're here, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world to have DNA in all of it. So I guess as, as we're continuing to build, to you, what is the next step? If you've, 
you know, you've kind of seen the forefront of all these. What is our next step? Because I think a lot of people would say we are farther than anybody ever imagined we'd be, and this is probably where we end up in sports. Well, guess what? It's We say we're farther than we ever believed we can be, but all the forefathers always believed we could be. We just didn't have the, the venue. Look at what Allegiant did. Look what T-Mobile did. I'm not saying anything against my old Thomas and Mack Center because there's nobody that loves it more than me and the Sam Boyd Stadium. But the reality is Allegiant, when it got built, it said to the world, we're here, we can do anything, and now we have a place to do it at. T-Mobile did the same thing as something new. It's on the strip. Don't forget, and, and you guys don't know this, but in 1994, 93, when we're talking to every music industry mogul about MGM Grand Garden, they laughed at us. Neil Diamond said, I will never play your MGM Grand Garden, and here's on, why. Neil. We Because yeah, nobody wants him. The world, what no, are you talking about? Not, but back, back then, yeah, yes. Yeah, it was a big deal. The world, musicians, came here to do residencies, and I hate to say it this way, to die. That was the end of their careers. Now residencies are the greatest thing in the world, but it was Cher at Caesars. It was uh, Neil Diamond wouldn't come because of that. Frank Sinatra, all the artists played Barry Manilow, and, it, and that's where they ended their careers. Right. When the MGM Grand Garden, it proved the point that people will come for what? The ticket. Then we realized the ticket is the draw, but the sexiness is the city. Hence, when we talk about my new company and living for 35 years in this space, there's a thing that we call traveler per cap, and we'll get into that down the road here. Darren Libinati with Cofield & Company, uh, nice enough to join us here at Silver 7s to continue down the historical path. I do want to mention, you know, you, you just mentioned, uh, Allegiant opened up a whole new avenue. Right now you got 65,000 seats, so there's all these different events we can do there aside from the NFL. But Sam Boyd did play a really important role, and I think people now kind of poo-poo Sam Boyd we do have a void in that like intermediate stadium size, but I just wanted you to talk about some of the stuff you guys did at Sam Boyd and the legacy of Sam Boyd in growing us to where we are now. I, I cry when I think of Sam Boyd Stadium because the legacy is so great. I mean, the first festivals, the first opportunities. Go fast forward to 2012. I personally went out and got Real Madrid and Juventus and then ended up with Real Madrid and Santos Laguna, and it was the full Real Madrid team, and we're doing the Sam Boyd Stadium. Who would have thought, right? It was the first big soccer game uh, that we could call real at that level. But all the other events, the Supercross, the Monster Trucks, all, I, this sounds not correct, but we gave birth to them. 8,000 people a Monster Truck turns out to be two days of 35,000 people, 70,000 people. When the Allegiant made their deal to build their stadium, they made a great deal in terms of the UNLV Rebels are going to play here. We need to put the, the Sam Boyd Stadium to sleep, and we're going to pay you X dollars to do so. Well, that niche of, of, of uh, entertainment and content got pushed away. Well, that's five to 700,000 people. Now, the city didn't lose necessarily because Allegiant has shown it can now bring us 65,000 person events. It can bring you the NCAA Final Four. It can bring you the Super Bowl. But if we then stopped for a second and said, what about the other 700,000 people that left? Where are they? Where are those travelers that we need so much for our city yeah. to be vibrant? Well, I know Adam's very strong on this with regards to Sam Boyd because essentially, you know, the Raiders have control to kind of shut everything down there. Going back to the XFL, the XFL should not be at Cashman. No. no. And, then, and then when they tried to go over to LV Ballpark, that wasn't going to work out. So there is this gap. Yeah, that's the gap. I mean, that, that is the gap that I think you're referring to in that 
um, that was happening. That's, by the way, what we've complained about with the Raiders Stadium deal is not the money. It's the other aspects of the deal that got us to this point, and that's what we don't want with the A's deal, which we're you know obviously uh, addressing at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those, well, I guess well, first I'll ask you, like you have been around this, why did that have to happen? Like the Raiders could have said, okay, look, we can come to some sort of resolution that, that can be used for something. It doesn't have to shut it down. I think it was probably that they believed that that content that we were doing there could come to Allegiant. What's misunderstood is the economics. Okay, the economics of opening the Sam Boyd Stadium for 35,000 people and a sellout is a lot different than the economics of a, a gigantic stadium like Allegiant and what it might cost. So those promoters and producers just, you know, shook their hands and said, thank you, but no thank you, we're going to move. So the finals of all those events went to other cities. And, you know, that's sad. But when you asked about the A Stadium and we spoke last week, I said, my God, this is a wonderful opportunity. And when you ask, what's the why behind that, Darren? Why, did you, why do you feel like that? Why are you so passionate about it? Well, guess what? There's a roof on it. And immediately, if there's a roof on this stadium, that means there's opportunity. Those 700,000 people could come back and join the 81 games that they're already going to have. And Bill Hornbuckle and MGM made the greatest statement they could make last week. I couldn't have been prouder of my friends. And that was, we believe there'll be 400,000 people that'll come following the A's. So really what he's saying is that 5,000 people will travel uh, over 81 games, which would make up 400,000 people. If you instill what I'm talking about from the position I'm in now with my new company and looking back at the past, well, what does that mean for the traveler? That travel per cap money is a lot bigger than what you two were talking about last week when you were saying, well, wait a minute, the A's could have a district around them. They could sell more beer. They can have video walls. They can sell more merch. That's no problem. Every producer, promoter in the world sit in a room like we're doing right now and saying, it's $22 that we're going to make per head on beer. It's 17 on merch. It's this in sponsorship. But the biggest amount of money comes from the traveler per cap, which is $100. If we just used uh, Bill's math and we said 400,000 people were coming, well, that's a new $40,500,000 of traveler per cap that somebody's going to get if we use the right platform that we've created to to encumber and, and bundle that ticket, that experience, that wine and dining experience on Friday night, the, the brunch on Sunday, and package it with an event. Darren's going to stick with us because we had a lot to get to. <laughs> it gets because, exciting. Well, here's the thing: we on Sports Talk Radio, you know, we we kind of we have a stance, and then I I was thinking about this last week. I'm like, you know, there's been a lot of times when things are coming along the way uh, in Vegas, all these great ideas, and we lack imagination. And that's why we need the experts to kind of come in and tell us, hey, it's not just baseball. These are all the things that can be done. Darren's going to stick around. We'll take a break here, and we'll get into how beneficial an A stadium could be if it's a good investment. And do the A's even matter? Is it just the stadium and the district that is really the most important thing? Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co or at ESPN Las Vegas. So Darren Livinati's with us. I knew that would get you fired up. That's uh, one of the guys on CBS National who is, I think, going traditional thought route and talking about regional sports networks, which, by the way, who cares anymore? They're going bye-bye. We just found out today that there's this whole new iteration of uh, TV av availability for the Vegas Golden Knights, the $10 million that he just mentioned is nothing. 
Nothing. Because the deal that the A's are asking for with this tax district, and we'll get into that, the amount of money they can make 365 days a year by having a ballpark village is the $10 million will be such an afterthought. But we'll get to that. Let's, let's address a lot of the, the way we're thinking, which is, hey, it's a baseball stadium. The organization is not trustworthy. There's only going to be 80 or so dates. Give me the positives to kind of blow that out of the water that, yeah, the baseball team matters, but this, the stadium and then packaging everything with the stadium is more important than just looking at baseball. Absolutely. Great question. Uh, what happens between the chalk lines, we don't necessarily control ever, right? Uh, what they do, how they do it, how they play, wins and losses, God bless them. I hope they win like crazy. But at the end of the day, the sexiness that makes Las Vegas what it is, what makes this venue, I'm sure, going to be beautiful. But think about the Yankee fans, the Boston fans, the teams that come from back east that love the city on top of loving their team in baseball. Think about what this man said, that you're only going to get you're going to get $10 million less. No problem. If we followed the Bill Hornbuckle model and that we, we believe 5,000 people are coming, all it takes is a team... And I don't want to say it this way with intelligence, but a team that looks at who is the fan? Who are they? Where are they coming from? What are their needs? If we just bundle the ticket with the hotel, with the experiences that whoever they want them to be, they could be at that district around the stadium. But here's better. They could be all up and down the strip. You could have a, a, an opportunity to be sitting in New York and say, I want to see my Yankees play the A's. I click onto the A's site because that's the only place you can get it, and you pick your package. I want to stay at the win. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Whoever's running that stadium, whoever the businessman that sits there like I used to sit, has the opportunity to now to create brand new revenue he never had before. Nobody's ever had. We're just learning that in the last two years of this new company and we've sold 95, uh, over 100,000 packages in 70,000 rooms just in our city and have written checks to people for well over $5 million because they followed a marketing template, template with one statement. Who are you? And who are you coming to our city? That's the magic. Darren Luminati up with Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. Was with MGM, ran Thomas and & Mack and Sam Boyd for a long time. You mentioned your company a couple times. What are you guys trying to do? What have you been doing? So Fuse Technologies, uh, during COVID, after we got all let go at our different positions and we sat on the sidelines, I, I had left uh, as a vice president of MGM, loved my time there building festivals for them, but sat down and said, we got to do something different. And I want to come back bigger, better, stronger, and faster. And what does our industry need? What is the need? And the need has always been this. We, as producers and promoters, like, let's use an example, Bruce Springsteen. I do the show. I pay him a million dollars. He says the tickets can only be 78 bucks. I'm sitting in a room saying, how much can I make in food and beverage? What's my t how many people are going to buy my tickets? I, I'm going to do 14,000 people. Where's my money? And I sit and look at each other. If I'd have had this technology then, I could have sat down and said, I'm going to go on sale, and the world's going to learn that you want to go see Bruce? and you're coming from out of town, we're going to sell 5,000 packages in advance. I'm going to make $100 a head on there. I'm going to put $500,000 in my pocket before I even start. 
and nobody got hurt. Remember the game I played with the credit cards? Instead of just getting one credit card for four tickets, I combine the credit card and I get the four tickets. I get the three nights at a hotel. I get any experience. We want to collaborate. That's the sexiness. That's what we do. Um, so, I mean, my, my question just on if going back to the A's, because one of the things we said yesterday is, look, we are not participating in bringing a baseball team. We are giving $500 million to a real estate developer to build a real estate project who's not going to care about the team and not going to try. Why do we need the A's? Why not a different team? Why not an expansion team? Does that matter to you? Me, personally, uh, I don't have a horse in the race on the team. I love the game. I think the game and the venue is the key. The venue allows so much flexibility for this city. There's still a missing link, and we don't think it when we say, how many more stadiums and arenas can we build? (laughs) I'm telling you, there's 750,000 fans that used to go to the Sam Boyd Stadium that no longer come to our city. As for the ticket, for the experience, because Allegiant took that over, and they fulfilled the gap of 750, but there's still 750 more. And we can get into the NFR conversation of what happened with COVID and why we had to let a a, a big event go for a year. It was the rules. But what happens in 27? We've learned that OVG, who's building an arena that will be for basketball, says we're not going to do, we don't want NFR. We don't want to put two tunnels in our venue. That's a required thing pretty much for the seamlessness of a venue. It's not going to be at T-Mobile. Where will it go one day? Is it going to be fought to go back to Texas? Or are we, as a family in a city, be able to say, time out, we've got a beautiful stadium that we're going to build that's 30,000 seats, and it would allow NFR to grow. It would allow them to grow in a window of time of December that's fantastic. And, oh, by the way, as long as we're all working together when that stadium gets built, they can facilitate the needs of what it would look like and feel like when NFR comes and then you add in what we just talked about as the traveler per cap, because we know NFR, out of 170,000 people over 10 days, I'd bet 150,000 of them traveled and needed to find a, an opportunity to package everything up. That's a lot of new revenue. It sounds great to me. Who do you have faith in that's going to actually make that part of the process? Well, I, I haven't had my arena hat and stadium hat on for a while. I was wearing a festival building hat for the last eight years. Uh, but I've always stayed close to it. I'm not quite sure what it means when we hear that the stadium authority is going to maybe run that venue or something like that or the A's. I'm looking more at the the value of, of how to do it, what's the best way, how can we all be smart together to make this the perfect niche venue. And I love the location. I love everything about what it can be. And guess what the bonus is? The A's get on fire. And now you got 81 games of a hot team, and it, it really has all the makings of something special. So part of the, the fascinating part of this conversation, and Darren Libinati is with us, a uh, longtime uh, planner of events, uh, ran venues. The Raiders are a fascinating part of this because you mentioned the Stadium Authority. I wonder how comfy the Raiders are if the Stadium Authority now has the A Stadium under its umbrella. Mark Davis came out the next day after the real estate deal, the uh, potential agreement was announced, and he's like, I, I don't like these guys. I don't like the way they treated us, and you know, I'll cooperate with the A's, but not with this group. Um, so I wonder how complicated that gets. And then that, you know, that 
kind of tug of war between, hey, the stadium authority was here for Allegiant. Oh, now it's running this place. And then are they in competition for events? Does Allegiant want to jump in and get NFR? Um, and I'm asking a lot of questions. I also wonder when NFR goes in, obviously Thomas O'Mac has been very cooperative with NFR. I don't know who ultimately has all the power there, but if the A's are new to the market, are they like, oh, NFR has been here forever. You know, you're going to get a lot of power here. So let's start with the Raiders, though. What do you, like, are they going to get in the way? Is this beneficial for them? How do you think they react? I think Mark's the ultimate pro, and he has every right to have uh, bitterness if there was past experiences between him and the A's, and it's really not our business. Uh, it's between them because it's something that they've probably lived with, and you can only imagine in the old stadium that they were a part of, there could have been many days where they wanted to come together and say, let's renovate this place and really put our money where our mouth is, and one side wanted to and the other side didn't, so there's probably a lot of bitterness. They come to Las Vegas and hit a jackpot. Uh, their franchise right, uh, rights ownership fees go through the, the roof because Vegas is sexy. They've done all the right things and congratulate them. But at the end of the day, when your second part of the question of the stadium authority played a big role in assisting that process to make them work and get the funding and, and do all that, I think that boat is, is floating the right way now and they can feel comfortable. Now you look at part two. What role does the stadium authority play? Do they just make sure what you said earlier that we don't want a management team of the A's to hijack the, the situation and it's a kind of a controlling opportunity to make sure everything works the right way? I believe the stadium authority will pick or choose as a group to pick a, the right kind of person to run something like that and, and orchestrate the strategy and planning. And then the NFR is just the last uh, spoke in the wheel when you look at it gives Las Vegas some strength when they want to fight with Texas if they choose to because it gives them a bigger venue, which we've talked about, and it's still, if it's built correctly, it's sexy enough to be something special. And it'd break my heart if it left Thomas and Mack Center, but I understand entities and content want fresh new things there's only so much we can do. We've done three renovations at Thomas and Mack Center to make it as great as possible. And it's still the, one of the cleanest, nicest buildings you can have. It was built in 83. But they may want to raise their hand and say, we would like to entertain something. And that's a possibility. I'm, I'm, I'm with everything you're saying. I'm just not as optimistic that people will actually, the right people will actually make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're talking about building, say, a venue would need the, you know, the two ramps, like the the most simple thing for NFR. Who's going to get this done to remind them? Hey, by the way, this has to be done right now. Like they're trying to build right now, so like that has to happen, right? So I just don't have the faith because I saw how horrific the Allegiant Stadium deal was. The details of it, not the money. That's fine. The details were awful, and nobody stood up and said, "Hey, this needs to happen." So who's going to do it this time? That's that's where my issue is. Aren't we more educated my pessimism. Now? That's what I hope. Are we? That, I, I think we are. I don't I, think because, I, I, because I think, people still come to me and they're like, "You were you said the Allegiant Stadium deal was bad. Look at it. Yeah, this deal was bad. The money was fine. The stadium was amazing. All of that was great. We said that every day on the show. Right. The details of the deal were horrific." And nobody gets that that's what we were talking about. But I think, so uh, nobody gets it now. Unlike the first time with the with SB1, I think we're hearing a little more critical thinking. And it hasn't been, like, outrageous, but Michael Naft has spoken on the record a couple of times about, hey, you know, $500 million is a big ask, that we're going to examine this. Steve Yeager spoke to the Nevada Independent, and without really giving a whole lot away, he's like, we do need details. So I, I don't know that this is done. I think people are working really hard on it. I don't know how much 
you know, the details have been ironed out, but I don't think I don't think we do what we did with SB one. It's just different. The, the, we'll see. This, well, the the size of the stadium and the attractiveness that way was different. Um, we were also in a special session, which that was weird, as they were trying to get it shoehorned in before you know some new legislators came in. If the A's present their plan soon, then I think we're going to have a pretty well educated crew that's going to be examining this thing, and I, and I think there's going to be a lot of dissenters too, and they're going to be heard. Well, right, wrong, or indifferent, the Allegiant Stadium has worked, and it's a wonder. I'm so proud of the people that had the courage to say, regardless if they think it was a bad deal, a good deal, mathematically or financially, it has worked. Because the fact that, think about all through the 90s, uh, early in the end of the Tark era and everything like that, we fought tooth and nail for an NCAA Final Four. This is not new conversation that we're finally getting it. It was through the 80s. It was into the 90s. I can't tell you how many RFPs we all have felt filled out to try to get it. And it was absolutely a no, no, and no. It's almost like when the Allegiant Stadium got built, it took the no, and it's like uh, Jim Carrey saying, so you think we have a chance, you know, and and, and that opened that door to right. be able to I, give I, us I, that chance. Cut, you're, you're 100% right, except for we could have that stadium and everything that's coming with it and not have UNLV over a barrel like they are, not have Sam Boyd Stadium not being able to function the way that it should be, um, not have the Las Vegas Bowl screwed over like it was. Like, all those things could have happened and have a lead the stadium. Well, I think there's a bigger picture that we don't see. We're not in the rooms of the UNLV administration. We're not in the rooms looking at the 64. I think maybe it's I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. It's probably like 120 acres that that sits on out there, of which there's a certain amount of acres are UNLVs. You know, there could be a day where they were looking and saying, we want to still build a, a different campus out there. Let's take the money that they're giving us for these years. We're not going to get killed by it. The money they're giving us is going to offset the revenue that we we would have made, but we will have a campus one day out there. And, oh, by the way, remember in their thinking, there was a time in 15, 14, that we thought we would put a little small arena like Snapdragon, our stadium, right there across the street uh, where the airport kind of came yeah, in. Yeah, no one, that really wasn't talked about very much. With the, the, dorm, the dorms over there and like, yeah, a, I mean, a there was a whole I think there's a, the, that, is that the piece of property that they just sold to uh, Elon Musk, right? The boring company? I'm not sure who think, has it today. Yeah, I think, I think they just, I think they just bought that, but there was a plan to have a smaller stadium there. Calavera, uh, wait, what's, uh, I'm going, I'm going to mess up his name. Calaveri, I, I, I know I didn't do that right. He ended up leaving and going to Texas, and they did build that concept around Austin, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful what they, what they yeah. had planned to create here. But that was the original mindset. And to date us even more, which would make you guys crazy, in 2004, 3, 4, and 5, some of the same people that were on the board to build this Allegiant were with me in a room with Gary Goat of Southern Highlands, and we were looking at an arena and a stadium with a giant district in between, and the two bookends would be the stadium and the arena. Mm. I woke up this morning saying to myself, holy cow, that would be almost 20 yep. years old today yep. if we would have done that. But greed, not in a negative way, our city was on fire. Acreage was going for 2 and $4 million an acre on that strip, and nobody wanted to give up their land. And then we hit the financial crunch of 2008, and we got delayed. Darren's going to stick around. We have a full, uh, few more questions for him as uh, he's really a, a venue and festival and 
uh, stadium expert. He's given us uh, his insight and his excitement about the potential of the A's building and uh, us helping them massively build a thirty to 35,000-seat baseball stadium. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Invest in the team. Invest in the ballpark. The A's only have to make the difference up of $88 million to build themselves a ballpark in Oakland. $88 million bucks. They won't do it. Don't fall for it. The money's not in Las Vegas. The audience of the money's in the Bay Area. It's sad. It's sad to hear people who are misinformed or too lazy. Uh, Amanda Lahr is a good host, but on uh, CBS National, trying to take up for the A's in Oakland, and I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that Oakland's losing their team, but uh, we are a more attractive market. It is not about the dollars that you can see right now, the traditional baseball dollars. It's about all the other things we can do uh, in terms of holding lots of events at an A's stadium. 81 games. Could we get another 20, 25 events a year there? Is that, is that too aggressive? Because I, I remember the initial pitch with the Legion was, hey, you got... 9, 10, 11 football games, but we're going to try to do 52 events a year, and they're, they're beyond that. So could a baseball stadium host another, like, 20 events? Absolutely. Look at what the, uh, the Anaheim does at the beginning of January. They go back to back to back to back every weekend with Supercross, Monster Truck, Supercross, Monster Truck, and then they do other types of events. So they found a niche. This venue will find a niche as well, and the one thing that Vegas has that any other city doesn't is there's always activity, there's always a promoter, producer, risk taker that wants to be in the right venue for him. And we've just about checked every box, and this will be the last box we check that's perfect. This is a tough one, and we'll have to have you on again, Darren. Darren Libinati's with us. Last 30 seconds. The tax district. Is that good for us? A's are going to make a lot of money off of this. Great question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm giving you almost Great time, question. I'm a little stumped, uh, but I will that's, just say. That's kind of the linchpin of this whole thing. I think that the tax, district, the tax district will work perfectly for what they need to do in that space. There's a lot of convention business. There's a lot of other attractions that will generate revenue. But in a sense, when you say the tax, I say the TPC, the traveler per cap. It's the same concept of capturing that revenue to pay back the bonds and what have you right so whoever's the controller of that business the tpc that we've created is going to offer that and make that opportunity even greater for everyone that was a great spot yeah, we will do you. it again look forward Darren to it. one more time uh, pop your company and uh, the things you're doing yeah, we are Fuse Technologies. We are super excited to be working with all the promoters, producers, and risk takers, teams, and events, and the whole concept. And we're doing with working with hotels. As we take your ticket, we bundle all the experiences around it, and we create something special for you. And that is the future.